And it is a mailbag Friday here on Canuck Central, as uh, we always like to get into it. Your questions for us here on Canuck Central. Hit the music, Ben. We've got producers Josh Elliott-Wolf and Ben Bassman behind the glass. Hello. Shaw. The What's man fielding on? the questions. Fielding some questions, navigating through them. A number of good ones today. There's always a few good questions. More bad than good. But who am I to say? (laughs) Every man's definition of a bad question is different. (laughs) I'm not chirping the listeners. Never. Uh, A lot of good questions in there. Well, I mean, we have people that text in. Uh, Somebody texted in earlier. It's like, you should call the the dull segment because you guys answer questions that are not hockey related. The dull Friday hit. Uh, Next, we talk about the Coyotes' financial problems or the Carolina offensive line, which I responded, you can ask some good questions instead of whining about other people's bad questions. So (laughs) send better questions in. Also, I feel like mailbag is at least 95% Canucks questions. Listen, don't let the truth get in the way of people's narrative. Fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. Uh, We'll start with this one from Ernest. I asked you guys during training camp, you guys said you wouldn't be able to answer this until after a certain number of games. So, can it be answered now after 30 games? The question is, when can we know if this team is serious and whether or not they can be trusted? We can answer it now, right? I, th- I think there's. I think everything we've seen through 30 games suggests they are serious. I mean, they bounce back from the adversity they face, whatever small adversity it has been this year, whether it's fatigue, being challenged, you know, a couple of things happening or whatever, and playing through a bad stretch, responding, not losing more than two games in a row at any stretch. I'd say it's safe to say they're a serious hockey team at this point. It is definitely a serious hockey team i can't find a way to say otherwise i mean look we went through the first checkpoint of the season american thanksgiving they're comfortably in a playoff spot even now basically a month beyond that almost a month beyond that they've got 20 wins in their first 30 games i think we're still trying to figure out you know okay they're a good hockey team are they a great hockey team that we're still we're still trying to find out if they can go up against, go toe-to-toe with Vegas or L.A., which is likely at this point going to be their first-round playoff matchup. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right now I'd I'd still say they're probably third in my power rankings behind those two, but still, that's they've been, you know, and I projected them to be third in the Pacific coming into the season, but they've they've been better than even I expected. Well, here's here's the thing too about that, and we we spoke about it a little bit on the post game show last night with Vic. But instead of us talking about okay, what tier are the Canucks in, and are they away from that top tier? We know that they're the favorites, and then there's a group of teams that are contenders that can win the Stanley Cup, right? So we'd say the favorites are what what like in in the East, the New York Rangers, in the West, the Vegas Golden Knights, and then. You know, I'm with you. Colorado's really good, but given the guys they've lost and where they're at as a team, maybe just a slight notch below. But we look at Colorado and we say a team that can win the Stanley Cup. Dallas can win the Stanley Cup. The way the Kings are going, people believe they can win a Stanley Cup, right? Are the Canucks getting close to that group where they can potentially win, or are they a move or two away from that? I think they, depending on the opponent, they could give their they could give a team fits but i think there's still a move away from being in that tier still i'd like to see another t- like i'd like to see them add to the forward group to be honest you know if they if they go into the playoffs with their current defense assuming you know susie comes back and and they're they're all healthy going into the postseason which is sort of a big if but 
if that were to happen, I think I think you can manage that, especially with three guys over six five, and you know the way they've gone defense by committee. They've committed to more of a team defense game through their lineup. All of those things apply, but I I still think they need another impact forward to to truly uh, be up against some of the the top teams in the West. All right, next one uh, comes from Taj. Which scenario do you think is more likely next season? Number one, the Canucks continue to improve and become a contender. Or number two, this was an outlier season and they go back to being a playoff bubble team. So there's they're the Seattle Kraken of this year? Yes. I am definitely on team this isn't a flash in the pan. Like they've, we know who the core is, you know, the big uh, wild card in all of this is what happens with Elias Pettersson, but probabilities are that Elias Pettersson is still a Vancouver Canuck next year and the years ahead. So I'm going to bet on that. And I'm going to say, given where this team is, the relative youth of their core, they're probably not going away anytime soon. So I think what they have to do is still work to improve the team. And I'm not, I don't subscribe to the, oh, this is going to be the peak for this team. They can't get better than this. I think they can. They have to make some more moves, obviously. The front office has shown um, an ability to get moves done. So I wouldn't you know put it past them to find ways to make this team a lot better. I can see them not being as prolific next season, whether that's goals and overall points. Like there's a chance the Canucks this year get 109 points or something. They're currently on pace for 112. Let's just say they get 108. There's a chance that next year... They they have a team that has 104 points that's better than the one this year so i think in terms of results it may not be quite as good but in terms of strength of team and ability to win in the postseason and do something i still think you can get better for next season like for instance we talk about brock Besser a lot right yeah. what do they do with brock what has, ends up happening with Carno garland who's played a lot better right what do you do with some other moves you could potentially make here i don't subscribe to this is their best chance with the group they currently have i think they're a couple of bold moves away from being even better next season it wouldn't surprise me they're better but maybe not as prolific in scoring and point totals there's a chance there's a good amount of roster turnover here in some of the uh, complementary pieces on this roster right especially with the amount of ufas they have on on uh, on the roster right now bluger and lafferty who've provided a lot even dakota joshua who's really found himself a role in in these last number of games but mostly on defense, right? Like, okay, Hughes and Hronik are here next year, but beyond that, <laughs> what, what do you have? And th- th- there might be a lot of turnover after that. So there is still a little bit of a uncertainty to what the roster would look like next year, and you'd have to say, would they hit on as many pieces in free agency as they have in these past two seasons? But really... That's it for me, though, Sat. Like, they've, this is, you know, now been a couple of years. They're not a new front office anymore. We have enough to judge them on. And generally, it's been a lot more positive and confidence building that you trust what this front office has in store for the moves of this roster. And that's, you know, that's part of being a good hockey team. That's part of bringing in a guy like Jim Rutherford, who does have a proven track record. And how they've built this thing out. And it's, you know, I do have confidence in what they've been able to show so far. 
Next one comes from uh, Sarah. Be honest, which Canucks player outside of the core has surprised <laughs> you the most through 30 games? Oh, man, honestly, I, I, you know, I think Pew Suter is somebody you could talk about. To me, it's Carson Soucy. And I know he's not playing right now, but Ooh, going I was way sure. off the board, Sat. Going off the board here, but because I wasn't, I wasn't sure what to expect from him. I had some questions about Carson Soucy, and you know, is he actually a guy that's anything more than a third pair defenseman? And we haven't seen enough, right? But the more I watched him, I'm like, no, he's really good at defending in his own zone. He knows how to play. He understands leverage. Uh, he, he uses his size effectively. He can be physical if need be. He moves the puck efficiently as well, and he's done a really good job of getting that shot off offensively and, and playing in the offensive zone. I've been really, really impressed with Carson Soucy, and I'd say he's probably the guy that impressed me the most based on what my expectations were. Uh, It's Pew Suter has been really good, um, and and I did want to give a shout out to to how well he's been, and even his game coming back uh, really good last night against the Florida Panthers, and I think it's it's helped the Canucks build four lines and have four centers that they trust, and I'm really curious to see how that builds out. And hopefully, Bluger and, and Suter are healthy for a little while yet. But I, um, as much as I want to say Brock, we talked a lot about Brock in the first segment of the show, and we've liked a lot of what he's done this year. I've always felt like this is what Brock could be, and we're seeing the best of it. So I'm going to go with Sam Lafferty as okay. the player who has surprised me the most. I was, uh, to be fair, like a little bit confused when they first made the trade. Talked to some people in, in in Toronto, and they all had great things to say about him and, and the type of work ethic he brings on and off the ice. And even when you've watched him, it's always been sort of in a, a limited role. And here in Vancouver, it seems like that's been maximized a little bit more. You notice him in the role he's been put in, certainly lately with Elias Pettersson. They've really utilized his traits to the full extent of being – a like a, a speedy winger with size, a little bit of scoring touch, and it's just added something throughout the like a versatility to the lineup that this organization and I felt the overall group needed and didn't have enough of the types of things that he's really good at. Next one comes from Don. Are the Canucks physically ready to compete up front against the Vegas Golden Knights and LA Kings? I haven't seen enough uh, yet. Physical up front? No, I think they need another forward that can push to, to against Vegas. Yes. Now, I will say, like Colorado's really good. If they get Landeskog back, they're scary. But going back to that game the Canucks played them, I don't think it was, hey, oh, Colorado was so overwhelming and Vancouver couldn't hang with them. The Canucks made a lot of mistakes that cost them. And I'm not saying they would have won that hockey game, but I don't think the final score was really as indicative of how that game was going and how it was going back and forth. I'd say with Vegas, though, they need to get another forward that can push. And that's a team, the Vegas Golden Knights, that feel like they can lean on Vancouver and get their way. And they haven't been proven wrong so far. I think if you want to really be able to knock Vegas off, if everyone's healthy, if they have a few injuries, maybe it changes things. But if everybody's healthy, I think they need somebody else up front. And I'm not meaning a bottom six guy, but somebody that can really push forward. So with Vegas, I mean, their top line is so good. And the way Jack Eichel's playing right now... um, He's not really underrated, but it feels like he's gone under the radar compared to other top, top players in the league because he just hasn't scored as much as other guys have since going to Vegas. But this year, I mean, watching him at Rogers Arena, he's so far been one of the scariest players 
we've seen come to the rink so far this season. And that's a really tough hockey team from the top spot on the roster all the way to the bottom. Plus, they've got good goaltending, which is what L.A. doesn't have. I'm still not sold on Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's not really having a great start. But Andre Kopitar and Philip Deneau still do what they do, and they've started to get some other contributions from younger players like Byfield and even Kaliev. So L.A. still looks pretty good, but that's more a team, I think, closer to Vancouver's level than currently the Vegas Golden Knights are, who are the top team in the West. I would say Vancouver's still third in that in that conversation. And what might be the most optimal path to having some playoff success at is finishing fourth in the Pacific Division and going yeah. through the Central Division sure, bracket yes. of the Western Conference playoffs? 100%. You're not, you're not wrong, right? But here's here's where I'm at with with all this. Eventually, you got to beat a good team, and and to me, the, if you play them in your first round, second round, it doesn't. You got to beat a good team, anyways. And I'm not gonna get too caught up in hey they they won a round, but um you know, I wish they would have played uh, let's say Winnipeg so they could have win a round instead of playing uh, the Vegas Golden Knights so they lose in the first round. But eventually, you're playing a good team, anyways. And I'm not viewing it as. Um, how many rounds you're going to win. It's more about how do you hang with the top teams and can you knock a top team off. So I'm with you in terms of being able to get through a round and, and getting your odds go the right way. I'm still a team. Win as many games as you can. Be as high in the standings as possible. And if you face a tough opponent, take it head on in the playoffs. All right. Next one comes from uh, Arpon. What is a realistic player to target at the deadline for the Canucks? Uh, realistic player. I mean, there there are a number of them. Uh, my my buddy Chris texted me earlier and haven't responded to him, so I'll respond on air. Um, he <laughs> said Ryan Hartman. How about Ryan Hartman being a guy you go after? And, and listen, he's the type of guy that, that, that he has some term left on his contract, but it's not a huge contract. Could could they look at a player along those types of lines where, hey, it's a team that has to make a pretty big move. The Minnesota Wild have really struggled. Yes, they have center depth issues, but are they willing to maybe move off of a guy like Ryan Hartman, depending on what they send back the other way? The thing I like about him is he can play wing, he can play center. I'm not sure if I love him playing center consistently, but I'm not against looking at that type of player necessarily. That's maybe making a little bit less. We talk about how it's hard to go and get the Nylander types, but can you get somebody else that's maybe closer to the Barbashev mold that we talked about before? And I still like Barbashev more than a Ryan Hartman, obviously, but do they look at something along those lines? Someone can play a little bit gritty, can move up and down your lineup, can play center, can play wing, can do different things for you, and can play through some traffic and physicality. Um, people are going to get tired of me saying Travis Konechny, and I, 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 the more <laughs> the more Philadelphia wins, the less I am convinced that it's even a, a realistic possibility he gets traded this season, even for as much uh, conversation there's been around him, uh, even going back to the offseason and in these last couple of years. But Philly keeps winning. He's playing amazing. It's, it's really hard to see a team giving up on a, a real quality player like that. I'm super curious about the Seattle Kraken and where they go this year. They just traded for Thomas Tatar, um, so they're they're trying to, I guess, you know, supplement the roster and, and get things moving in the right direction. But when Elliot Friedman brought up Adam Larson on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast as somebody that might be available at some point, he's got the rest of this year and next is thirty one. But I mean, we talked about this when he was getting close to free agency. Sat Adam Larson 
would be a really nice fit on the Canucks' right side of defense. He really would. And, I mean, he's the type of guy that I would be all for paying a price for. And I'm not talking about, oh, just trade, you know, uh, mid-round picks or late-round picks and, and you know, uh, trim around the edges. Like, he's a guy that I would be open to making a sizable He's paying a sizable price for it. Like, we're talking about a right-handed defenseman who's good defensively, can play with Quinn Hughes, can play with anybody else that's a lefty and be, be very prolific, great as a shutdown guy, good on the PK, moves the puck effectively. Yes, of course, um, sometimes you look at it and say, would you love to have a higher caliber guy? But he's a, he's a surefire number three who's really good defensively. Or even number four, perhaps, if you want to be a little critical of him. And... I'd prefer to have a guy like that tied up for a few years as opposed to maybe, you know, going after Chris Tanev and paying the price you need to pay to acquire him, unless it's, it's significantly cheaper. But uh, I'm all for Adam Larson. Next one from Brandon. Where does the Canucks blue blue, ryan, blue line rank when Carson Soucy is healthy? English, please, Josh. I was trying. <laughs> <laughs> Not trying hard enough. Um, so, okay. The Canucks no longer have a bottom five defense. I think we all agree with that, right? Yeah. Now, if we kind of go through positional rankings and, you know, where the rest of the league is, have they moved up from the 20th range to the middle range, or are they above average at this point? I'd say they're a little bit above average. And maybe that's a optimistic view of it. But the way that Quinn Hughes and Philip Ronick have played, um, I am bullish. And even just thinking of this from the Western Conference perspective, okay, yeah, Colorado, sure. Vegas, sure. L.A., yeah. But there's not... Yeah, is L.A.'s defense better? Like, like they played better. And that's, I mean, maybe they've been better defensively, although the Canucks numbers have been fantastic. What is LA's strength? Is it their decor or is it their center depth? How I think they play? It's their like, what's their strength? Game. Yeah. Like, I, I look at their defense and I, you know, like it works for what they are as a team. But, like, individually, you'd go through some of those players and be like, yeah, I'd, I might ra- I'd rather have this Canuck rather than that LA King. And sure, they still have a little bit more youth there. And Jordan Spence has done some good things. But it's Mikey Anderson and Drew Doughty are really good. And, and after that, you know, Gavrikov too, but um, I, I think it's pretty similar uh, yeah, between like Matthew, the, the, the Canucks and LA Kings, actually. Yeah, Matthew Roy is good, too. I like yeah. him. You know, Gavrikov's been solid. You mentioned Spence. They have some depth, too. They have Clark they can call up. They have Bjornford. They have some of these other guys, right? I mean, they have some decent figures. You can make the case the Kings' defense is better because of how they play together. Yeah. But I, don't, I think it's more about them maybe being higher in the same tier as opposed to them being in a different tier. Yeah, and I think that's where the Canucks' defense is. Like I think it's it's comparable to where the LA Kings are, right? It's comparable to the Minnesota Wild, if not better than the Minnesota Wild, right? It's better than the National Predators' defense, the, the Winnipeg Jets. Would you rather have Dylan, Pionk, Morrissey, Demello, Stanley, and Schmidt, or would you rather have the Canucks' defense? Again, you can make the case they're in a similar tier, ranking a yeah. bit differently. We went through the Dallas Stars. They have Suter, Heiskanen, Lindell, Hockenpah, Harley, and Lundqvist. Maybe you can say you're like Harley with some potential. Lundqvist has really struggled a bit, right? He hasn't been the player they had hoped. Suter's not the same guy he was anymore. So Lindell and Heiskanen, how how do they compare to Hughes and Hironic? And how does the rest of the defense compare? I think, again, pretty similar, right? So I think Vancouver's done a good job of getting itself a bit higher. And the other thing here is, and when we go through every single team, and you see this consistently across the National Hockey League, 
there are 32 teams now. There are not enough good defensemen to go around. I think we build in our heads that, oh, the best teams, they all have this like surefire top four. Their top six is solid. They look like the Canucks in 2011, where they have a Sammy Salo as their sixth defenseman. That's, they don't. Teams like that do not exist outside of perhaps, like you said, Vegas, perhaps, like you said, Colorado. And yeah, they're not at that level, but the rest, I think, is pretty comparable. And we have Hironic and Hughes playing the way they are, and we get Susie back healthy. They don't really have a huge weakness. Myers, sure, but if he's playing as a number six defenseman, then yeah. you're you're mitigating all all the issues you had with him because he's not playing 24, 25 minutes a game. Well, and and that's sort of it with the Canucks right now is their third pair if everybody's healthy. Their third pair, like their five and six guys, might be better than a lot of other teams. Five and six, right? You could say Calgary's top four pretty good. You've got Uyghur, Hannafin, Anderson, and Tanev, and a couple of those guys might get traded before the the year is out, right? But uh, as of right now, their top four is good. But beyond that, the I, I don't really trust anybody else, and that's I, I think part of the Canucks' um, idea of how they're fixing the defense is like, well. It's going to be tough for us to find surefire top four guys, but if we can supplement our top four by having, you know, our <laughs> having a lot of guys that profile maybe as a number four or five defenseman and being able to play defense by committee, then maybe we can have success that way. And if they're not committing long term to any of those guys outside of Carson Soucy. And that's why that's what I like about the Canucks defense is if Tyler Myers is slotted more as a third pair defenseman, he can win in that role. Susie, we've liked what we've seen from him so far. Ian Cole, he's played just as he did last year in Tampa as a top four type defenseman. So and now you get Zadorov and you throw him into that mix as well. Like you've got an identity on defense and you've got pretty good players beyond your top two guys who have formed one of the best pairs in the National Hockey League through the first third of the season. Somebody texted in and said Calgary's defense is better. You can say their top four yeah. because their second pair is better, but their third pair. You got guys like Osterley. I mean, Shillington hasn't played in a while. Who knows where his game's at? He has the potential, but we don't know who he is at this point, like what he's capable of doing, and, and hopefully he's got his life in order and he's healthy physically and mentally and he can you know, take on the challenge again. But I think it's very much a, much, much a question mark. Now we're talking about, you know, on the third pair, guys like Jordan uh, uh, Osterley, Ilya Soloyev, Nick uh, DeSimon, Dennis Gilbert. Like these are the guys that are playing on their third pair. So Uyghur, Hannafin, An Anderson, and Tanev, they're top four. Well, I think Hughes is better than any one of those guys. The, this guy who's the second-best defenseman, I'd say, is Rasmus Anderson. And then it's kind of between Uyghur and um, Hironik, right? Like, who do you like better? I'd say Hironik right now, the way he's played. Hannafin is, of course, better than any number three Vancouver has. But Vancouver has the, has the, not, not, uh, has the edge at number five and six defensemen, right? But here's the thing again. You can make the case. You can say, okay, Calgary is better. Are they a tier better or just higher in the same tier? Same discussion again. I think the Canucks are in a tier with a lot of other teams. You can say are slightly better, but not materially better. Yeah, similar to like uh, top goalies in the league where there's a, a handful that are elite, elite, and then there's a, a big group that's kind of – you'd rank them almost, almost similarly, right? Um I feel that way with decors now. It, there's a couple that are truly elite around the league that you really like. And then there's a lot of average, you know, uh, just a lot of bang average defensive teams, yeah. at least as far as talent goes on their back end. And I think the Canucks are sort of in that tier. They're probably, you know, in the middle or maybe the lower end of that tier, but they're still like, they've, they've gained a lot. The turnover of the defense has really been a big part of why they have gotten off to a much better start this season.
We'll end with this one uh, from Woodrow. Is Alex Edler the next Canucks Ring of Honor inductee? Yes. Yes. I, I don't. I mean, I'd like to make a debate for somebody else, but who would that somebody else be? Ryan yeah. Kessler, maybe, but probably not. That's, that's like a tough, test- it's a tough sell. Is the debate no. that they wait? Maybe they wait a while for Edler. I don't see why they would, but maybe they wait a while, and in that time, someone else retire. Like the, the, the thing know. is, like I don't even know who else it would be. Like JT Miller, Elias Pettersson. Yeah, Patrick I mean. Demko. Like- yeah, like Olin's gone up there, right? Um, you know, Sneps has gone up there. I think Edler will be recognized in some regard like that at some point. Um, it's hard not does to it take like, a while. In, in maybe? terms of Canucks history, you know, he's as of right now. You know, Quinn Hughes is eventually going to catch him, but as of right now, he's the highest scoring defenseman in Canucks history. How do how do you not honor that player? Played so much, played through. What uh, to this point has been uh, the the best era of Canucks hockey. Mm-hmm. So, considering the bar with which you have to reach to get to the Ring of Honor, I think Alex Edler crosses it. So, yeah. So okay. Um, so the Canucks inducted uh, Harold Snips into the Ring of Honor what twelve years ago? So twenty eleven, I think it was, or twenty ten, something along. Those. Don't hold me to the exact date, but it was about two decades after he retired. Mm-hmm. So is he going to be like that, for instance? And if he is, then yes, somebody from this group probably gets in there before he does. But um, that would be the question because Canucks didn't create the Ring of Honor until about you know, 10, 15 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever it was. Um, does he wait two decades like Snaps did? Yeah. That would, be, that would be quite the long time. I guess the other, uh, the other shout should go to Tony Tanti. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to happen at this point. I think it's like, all right, like if it hasn't happened now, it's not going to happen. Um, yeah. And you know, in I mean, terms it took of a while fan- for Snaps, but yeah, it was a really, it was a really tough period of Canucks hockey when Tony Tanti was was scoring all those goals. So yeah, it was. I mean, he, he was really good though. From what was it, eighty eighty three until about like eighty eight. Well, it's was just funny because what, forty goals a year. We're like. This the start of the season. We've been doing all this stuff with like, oh, this guy's doing this record, and first thirty games of a, of a season, most points as a Canuck, and you're like Tony Tanti's in all of these conversations, and yet he's he's the one guy that's not in the uh, that hasn't been uh, recognized in some way by the Canucks. So that's he's got impressive numbers. I'll say that much for Tony Tanti. Um, but it's probability sake, it's probably Alex Edler, but it's sat alluded to yesterday JT Miller not far off already but he's still got uh, another uh, six years to go beyond this one with his contract remaining uh, all right it's Stan Richo Satyar Shah we'll close up shop next on Canuck Central